For the last few weeks, you've heard me mention that Intentionally Disruptive is brought to you by Microformulas. Well, you've also heard me talk about my long list of health issues, endometriosis, rheumatoid arthritis, anxiety, ADHD, and I spent almost a year fighting C. diff. Well, I've been taking Microformulas products for over a year now, and I've never felt better. If you're curious to give the products a try, visit microformulas.com and use the code IDFEB15 for an extra 15% off at checkout. That's IDFEB15. Visit microformulas online at microformulas.com. A podcast about life. I mean, that's a struggle, I think, with every single day. Are we good enough? Everything it can throw at you. The only person that can make us happy is ourselves. Real people talking about life's real issues. Oh, yeah, there we go. This is Intentionally (laughs) Disruptive with Shauna McNeil. Let's do this. And now we are recording. Love is a battlefield. Do you guys know that song, Love is a Battlefield? Hell yeah. Tom Sparks? Oh, she got it out before you could even ask the no, it's question. No, it's not. Jordan wait, Sparks. Wait, yeah, it is. So that's not the original then. Oh my gosh, I'm so old. Oh. <laughs> Love is a battlefield. You know. Oh, no. yes, but like Jordan Sparks also sings. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I had not Jordan Sparks as a song in my head, but you answered so confidently that I automatically thought I was wrong. Hey, act confident. No one will question you. Except for <laughs> oh my gosh, it's Pat Benatar. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) that's a good start (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh all right let's get this thing going let's do it (sighs) all right our series this month is called unconventional love stories now this series is all about overcoming many relationship obstacles and it's all just to be together now this is the episode number two and it's called i heart you through the ups and downs we're going to discuss being in a relationship while struggling with mental illness. Now, joining the podcast this week are my friends Brennan and Nikki. They've been together for five and a half years. Uh, They're getting married this summer, and Brennan struggles with bipolar disorder. hey I'm just, I'm thankful that you guys decided to share your story on the podcast this week. I really appreciate it. Always. Now, Brennan, I want to go back before you met Nikki and your diagnosis process. Mm Mm-hmm. What symptoms were you having where you were like, okay, there's something going on. There's something wrong. Well, throughout my childhood and through the preteen years and high school and all that stuff, you know, I I struggled with my own thoughts a lot, like in just ways that I couldn't seem to define them. They they seemed to jump and run and I just seemed to always be in a different headspace uh, a lot of the time and I never really knew what. So, you know, we actually, um, my family, took me to see a few doctors and we tried to map it and we never seemed to be able to. And, um, all of a sudden when I was, I was 19 years old and I went to Portland state and I had gone through a handful of different life changes that were extremely drastic. And, you know, that brings a lot of stress and chaos in your life. And so my mind started to stir because that's, I mean, that's what it does when, when I get stressed, my mind goes and it just seems to run on its own and you can't control a lot of it. Some you can, some you can't. And at that point in time, it was, it was more than what I could bear. And, you know, having thoughts that, you know, weren't comfortable about certain things. And so I went and saw somebody and over the course of, you know, a handful of visits, um, I was diagnosed with bipolar two. Now, can you differentiate bipolar one and bipolar two? What's what's the difference between the two? Yeah, so bipolar one is uh, it's basically the more severe version. Um, but yeah, it's 
everything that bipolar two uh, symptoms are just kind of amplified to a different extent. So bipolar two, uh, you know, some of the things that you live with are enhanced mood swings, you know, drastic ones. Enhanced is like, oh yeah, I woke up tired this morning and, you know, my mood swings down. It's more than that to the point where, you know, I'll wake up and I'll feel a, a weird kind of tingle on my skin and it almost notifies me that it's coming. And to the point where Nikki can see it almost before I even say it and say, hey, are you in a swing? And, you know, I can tell her honestly, yes or no. And usually she's spot on with it. But there's just a handful of different things with, you know, say one weekend you're in a high swing and all of a sudden you hit yourself on Nike.com and you say, oh, I want to buy all these things. And you're thinking not normal than you usually do. And you're willing to rationalize different spends, different actions in your life, uh, saying different things to people that, you know, is all of a sudden normal, even though it's not really you that's just who you are in that moment. And so it's just kind of a swing back and forth between highs, lows, and, you know, short times in the middle where, you know, you're not really yourself. And so it's a swing between, you know, basically two different personalities in a sense. And bipolar disorder is frequently misdiagnosed. Oh, right? 100%. I mean, yeah. I, they confuse it with, I think, borderline personality disorder. Mm -hmm. I was reading because I was obviously doing research before, before, you know, we recorded this episode. And what was your so when you got diagnosed what was like the main symptom what was like the one the one big thing it, there really wasn't and that's the thing with bipolar disorder that i've noticed is in talking to or in talking about it with the psychiatrist that um at the time it's it's kind of in a conglomeration of different things and that's why they're able to locate it uh the way they do it's you know low thoughts with uh you know two or three three weeks without any sleep or with so much sleep and you can't seem to have energy still and then changing your uh your diet and still being able to basically run through it right so if i had a day where i had three meals regularly I could go in a swing and have like six and still be hungry. Or on the flip side, I could have one meal or no meals and not even think about it. And so it's kind of just a, a bundle of different things at the time. At that time, it was, you know, dark thoughts, depressing thoughts that kind of scared me personally. It wasn't something I was acting on at the time um, and didn't have intention to, but it was taking me down a path of thoughts that I wasn't comfortable with myself. And that was one of the biggest factors I think and why I went to go get help because you never know until until it's too late I guess and that kind of came to me when I was having thoughts that were deeper and darker than what I was uh, used to so I figured I'd you know get it checked go talk to somebody what's the worst case scenario and best case scenario was I got diagnosed and now I fully understand what I go through and when you're talking about dark thoughts, you're talking about like suicide, suicidal yes. ideation. Yeah, suicidal ideation is basically yeah. a, a lot of it, yeah. It's freaking me out listening to you because I, you know, growing up, I kind of connect everything to my my childhood, but, you know, some of us are just wired the way we are. And with my anxiety, depression, I had suicidal ideation mm -hmm. in high school. Like, it, it's the scariest feeling in the world is that feeling of loneliness and, and right. hopelessness. It's like, oh my gosh, what can I do? It's like, you don't want to die, yeah. but you want the, the loneliness to end. You just want it to go away. Um, yeah, I liken it to, like you said, not wanting to die, but you're there and you want to get rid of the pain so bad. Oh, yeah. And that's all you can think about is, is how do I unleash this pain from from me having to deal with it and what do i have to do and how far do i have to go to unravel that pain and what's it going to take and so you think things that you know you shouldn't and that is not good for you and that's that was basically that first step for me so you're 19 you're diagnosed with bipolar 2 
then do you are you on medication? Do you are you put on medication at that point? So they they put me on lamotrigine, and basically what they said to me was, you know, you have to be careful for uh, the first couple weeks because when you know we prescribe things like these to people, it gets worse before it gets better, and that was the scary part for me because I you know I was there because it had gotten as bad as I wanted it to yeah. get. But I think what kept me going through in that moment was finally understanding what it was exactly. Because without that, I, I don't know what further deepness could have gotten at that point. But that, yeah, that kept me going. And so I, I was on meds for uh, quite some time and it seemed to level me out really well. You know, meds, meds were great for getting me back to feeling state of normal. In retrospect, growing up and realizing that I probably wasn't fully normal compared to a lot of kids growing up. And I, you know, now I'm totally okay with that. And I kind of, in a sense, unique. Yeah. 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 I I pride myself on that. And that's, that's great to stand behind. But uh, yeah, it it dropped me back into kind of this middle ground state for a long time to the point where, you know, I think it was 10 to 12 months later, I had noticed that, you know, there were days where something really bad would happen and I couldn't quite feel it the same as everybody else or something great would happen and there'd be zero excitement there. And so I started to kind of question things a little bit internally and just made the decision to learn more about it and see what's needed, you know, to get my body right, at least as healthy as possible to one day wean off of it. But at the end of the day, I I went off meds and I've been off and on uh, three different times now, but I'm off meds now and I have been for, I would say, I don't know, Nikki, probably year and a half, probably. And and I mean, I love it because like I say, I I use it basically to my advantage for the most part, right? Like there's, there's times where it gets tough, but I love it. it. It makes me more passionate. It makes me, you know, feel things more than, than I did have, you know, if I was on meds, but I thought it was great because it it kept me to a middle ground, got me back to reality kind of, and got my feet on the ground to where I could, you know, move in a direction that was healthy for myself. You're freaking me out because you and I have been medication free around the same time. Oh, really? Exactly what you were describing about. It's almost like you're numb your uniqueness. That that's how I felt like I was because I'm I'm ADHD, anxiety, depression. I was on Wellbutrin, Adderall. I mean, like I was just pumped pumped full of medication Mm -hmm. and my husband even made many comments like it it, it took away my personality it took away my drive it took away my passion right I mean all that was gone so to be medication free it is like the most freeing feeling ever it is like for a while for me it was kind of scary because it's it's almost like that slap in the face of what are you doing right like you were you were told to go down this path for your safety and you went down that path for your safety but I think it required me to learn a lot about it first, right? I would, I would never suggest to anybody, you know, if you're on meds, you know, get off those and figure out who you are. Like, no, that's not the, that's not the way to do it. It's, it's learning what's good for you. And I I think another thing there too is self-awareness because if you're not self-aware, you can't check yourself in the moments that you need to. And that's something that I've had to learn the hard way with Nikki's help a lot of the time that Self-awareness is key with my situation because if I can't check myself at the door almost every single morning, then I've already lost because, you know, I could be on a tangent half the time throughout the day if I haven't, you know, kept myself in check. And so that's where I want to, obviously, let's talk about yours and Nikki's relationship. So how old were you when you and Nikki met? Uh, 20. And how did you guys meet? So uh, we had... 
<laughs> you want Nikki to share it? How you guys met? Oh, I'll let Brendan share it. Her eyeballs got real big. When I said, how did you guys meet? Oh, no. So we ended up uh, following each other mutually um, on Twitter. And, you know, we would bounce tweets out and stuff like that. And we'd favorite them back and forth. And then at a certain point, you notice a name, a name long enough. And, you know, you, you want to reach out. You want to get to know somebody. So I did well, I that. I mean, back up. <laughs> We went to the same high school. Well, yeah, we, we went and to the same high school, yeah. Brennan's like first story to me was that he saw me in the hallway and he like never forgot me. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> was that in the DMs? Is that king right? Of, king of romance, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, the funny thing is, so we have the same birthday. I had no idea who he was. He was like kind of always in the background of things, but just never really knew who he was until he reached out. Yeah, so I reached out to her on Twitter, you know, say, hey, we should meet up, like get to know each other or whatever, and ended up, you know, just becoming friends over the course of about a year, a little more than that maybe. And then one day on 4th of July, you know, I got a little tuned up. Nikki was hanging out with me and we were celebrating and she leaned over to me and said, why don't you just be my boyfriend? And Aww. I said, hell yeah. And so, yeah. I've been uh, this for a year. Yeah. So we've been together for five and a half years now mm -hmm. and been living life out here in Boise and just kind of enjoying the hell out of each other. And So I want to dive into that. Nikki, this is where, you know, I kind of want to get your side of things. My husband and I, we, we both struggle from mental health issues, anxiety, depression. I have a little bit of OCD in me and, you know, and sometimes it gets bad. I want to know, like, as far as like your struggles, what do you feel like as a couple is your biggest struggle dealing with Brennan's bipolar disorder? I would say communicating. I think I'm such a talkative, outgoing person. And when he gets in his low swings, he completely cuts off communication. And while I can see that he's in a swing, it's not easy to always deal with. Like I want to talk to my partner and like he's my best friend and everything. So yeah, I'd say that communication would be the biggest struggle just because I don't want to assume what he's going through. And I don't want to just like isolate him. Like I want to be there. I want to try and pull him out of whatever he's going through. And that doesn't always work because it's a mental illness. It's not just a bad day. And so how do you guys handle that? Well, it's interesting because like that break in communication is kind of aided with communicating through it, right? Like I might not be in a time where I can communicate with her or really anybody else for that matter. Like when I get in those points, I kind of shut off from everybody outside of work-related things. You know, I, I fight my way through a lot of my swings through making myself busy, right? We've talked about that. And I go to work and I, I put it on and then I go home and I, I take my dress off, you know, and I sit there and I, I, I can be me at home and, you know, kind of just go through it at my own pace. Cause I, I've learned that I have to at that point because it's a side of me I can't control. And if I want this track of, you know, not using medication to keep me there, I have to at least respect it to a certain level and not fight it. Otherwise, you know, that bucket starts to spill over. So I explained to Nikki, you know, and we talked through it of saying, Hey, I'm in a swing and you know, she still fights it. Right. Like it's, because she's human. I yeah. mean, like she's, she wants her partner there for her. Well, and, yeah. And like, yeah, we'll have a conversation about it. And, you know, usually she'll leave me alone to go work out or, you know, draw or do something creative to kind of get my mind out of things. But most of the time still being there to lay little pieces of conversation so that I can kind of 
keep in check and be uplifted when I need to. So what happens, and this happens frequently in my house, my husband or I, if we're both having a bad day, whether it be our anxiety, whether it be our depression, because oh, my husband has the worst seasonal depression, it's on another level. But some days we're both having bad days. Mm-hmm. We're having bad days. We both need each other and neither one of us are available for the other. Mm-hmm. I mean, like if, if he's you know, a low swing and you need him, because again, you're a human being, you need that communication, you need your partner, how are those situations handled? Yeah, I mean, they definitely happen. Um, I just think it's understanding and respecting that you can't always be there for everyone. I just think that's something I've learned to understand with Brennan is that his struggles are so different. Like, I can have bad days, but his bad days aren't just bad days. Like, kind of like I was saying earlier, it's just on a different level. And so... I mean, of course, I'll go and try and talk to him and he'll just let me know. This just isn't the time. I'm just, I can't do that right now. Luckily, I do have other people in my life that I can just go chat to in those moments because I never want to push him too far because I feel like when he's in those down swings, he can just in his head go through it and just think and think and think and think. And so I never want what I'm going through to just weigh down on him, if that makes sense. And are you, with him being medication-free for a year and a half, I mean, is that something that you support, or would you rather him be on his medication? It depends on the day. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I mean, I think it's different for each person. So when we first got together, he wasn't on medication. So I saw how he dealt with that, how he went through it, and I think he was definitely at a more unstable time in his life. So yeah. he definitely did not deal with it as well as he does now, but he coped. And so I didn't feel like we had been together long enough where like I could really see where he really dips super low or super high. So I kind of just continued to learn, grow with him. And then at some point in our relationship, what what do you think? It was probably a couple of years in. It kind of just took a turn for the worse. Oh, so yeah, you're talking about when I went back on. Yeah, and he went back on medication. So I think what we have is just this understanding that if I am ever to talk to him, recommend, or bring up the discussion of going back on medication, it's because he is handling it different or just not handling it at all. Well, based off how it went then, it was more of a, okay, things have gotten drastically more I guess severe mm-hmm. would be the word to call it because the reactions to things and the way I was handling them, you know, I, sh- I shut down for what, like probably a week straight. It, it was just strange. It, you know, self-worth was going down fast and care for things and dealing with things was going down fast to a point where I think we both decided at the same time, almost like I remember Nikki coming to me and being like, should you go back on meds? And I looked at her and I, I just shook my head. Yeah. Cause I, I knew I was there yeah. again. And so I think that's the other part about it is knowing that it's there if I need it. And I'm not ever going to poo-poo that idea, you know, knowing that if things get bad, rely on the thing that, you know, works because you don't always have control of it. And I think like I am absolutely for medications and I believe they have. I mean, you're a nurse. Right. I'm a nurse. I know they have their reasons, their place. Like they do help so, so much. But... Before I went into nursing school, I was actually going to get a degree in psychology. Mm -hmm. I'm not an expert, obviously, but I did learn about it. And 
it wasn't surprising when Brennan told me the medications made him feel numb. And so obviously I cannot walk in his shoes and feel that firsthand, but I just have to trust that he knows what he's doing and he'll respect my opinion. Well, and I think the other side of it too, how you mentioned that, you know, at the beginning, you know, things were a little more drastic, high and low, right? I was at a different point in my life where responsibilities weren't as high. I was in college doing college things and staying up late. And so obviously your body's going to take a hit from those things, eating uh, probably Marie Calendar's freezer meals oh gosh, for all I know. Pockets pizza every pockets Pizza pockets. Yeah. Doing things <laughs> I, you know, putting things in my body and doing things to my body that, you know, I had no business doing at the time. And so through that, I've been continuing to, you know, try to be healthier in all facets. And she's seen that really help. And in return, you know, here we are five and a half years later, and she's seen that kind of grow and she's built that trust level to know that I respect it enough and she respects the way I keep myself in check to the point where, you know, if it becomes a problem, it's still a conversation. It's, it's not a, you need to do this. It's a, Hey, we should talk about this because it's what I've noticed. And if that were the case again, I probably am ready for that conversation anyways. So in five and a half years, you guys have been together. Have you ever had the moment where you guys throw your hands at, I, I can't do this anymore? No. I don't know. No. No. That was never really a question to us at all. I mean, he hit like pretty rock bottom from like in the five and a half years we've been together. Yeah. And it was just like, okay, let's stand back up. Let's keep fighting. Let's do what we need to do to get you feeling better and in the right mindset. And so, but no, I don't think we. Well, and I, th- I think there's, you know, a tip of the cap to Nikki, too, because throughout that process, I- I've never met anyone who was that open to deal with a mental illness when there's a million other people out there that might or might not have that issue. And not to say that they don't have other issues, but she's been an absolute trooper through this process. She's made it easier for me to cope and to bounce back. She's understanding to what it is. She's knowledgeable to what it is. Obviously, like being a nurse, that helps. She's learned and, you know, she had interest in psychiatry and all that type of stuff. And so like... It's and her ma- compassion level well, is yeah. through the roof. Oh my gosh, it's, it's yeah. crazy. So like it's made it easier, I think, for us being the combination that it is. For it to actually work if it's two other people i'm curious to see how that stacks up against us because i'm pretty confident i just think we work so well together and i think honestly the truest thing i've heard and can say about us is that he's the gas and i'm the brakes and all day long <laughs> baby i just think it's like it's nice for him to have someone that can ground him a little bit yeah and i think that does help with his swings for sure so I, I want to. This is what I want. I want to kind of discuss the the crisis plan, so to speak. Like when these situations, and this is for any couple. This is not just obviously when there's mental illness involved. This is just couples in general. What happens if you guys continue talking? It could go south <laughs> really fast. What what is that plan? What does that look like for you two? It's shifted over the years. I think I think we've got it down for five and a half years and. When it comes to that point, it's usually one person leave the room, leave them be, you know, let them let them mm-hmm. go think things out. Whatever's been said, it, it was said. No need to say more yet if you have to, but let them go think. Right. And let all the dust settle. And we still struggle with that. Right. Like I think everybody does. You know, when you have more on the tip of your tongue, you want to say you don't think the point's been proven. You want to get it out there. But in doing that, you hurt more than you help. 
And I, th- I think we've, we've learned that the hard way, right? You know, it seems to work with us pretty well because it's gotten a lot better than it used to be, right? Like everybody going through a new relationship has their struggles where they, they get to know somebody real well, good and bad. And we've seen both sides of it. And I think we do pretty good. No relationship is perfect. No matter how long you're, you're together, exactly right? Yes. You can do so, 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 so well. But you're going to have disagreements, you're going to have arguments, but it's all about how you react. And I've done a lot of personal growth, and I know he has too. And I just think for us, it's listening, like truly listening to how the other person feels and allow them to feel those feelings. And just because you don't feel it doesn't mean they do. Mm -hmm. And going to sleep happy with each other to not like don't go to sleep in an argument that's like the one thing i think we still continue to work on because it can be so easy just be like fine good night and just go to sleep on that like angry note Uh but it's so much better and healthier to at least just agree to disagree before you go to sleep it just seems to help us a lot more yeah it's all those little things that when you think of ahead of time it's like you know don't forget to kiss kiss them good night and it's like, God, that's so cheesy. But, but it's, it's, so, it's true. so true, though. Like, there's it's, a piece to that that just, like, it's kind of like when you're angry and you say, force yourself to smile, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden you feel your heart lift a little bit. Like, there's just little things in there that help you make it to the next day. Now, you guys are getting married this summer. July yes. 10th. July. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be before you know it. <laughs> oh, yeah. What are your thoughts on, I know for me personally, my husband and I, we've always done preventative therapy. Always. We go to marriage counseling. We've done it since we've been together because we got married super young we got together when we were teenagers and it's just something that we have continued to do because it works for us what are your thoughts on on counseling we differ on it i grew up on counseling you know i grew up with a broken family like a lot of people i grew up with my thoughts and you know dealing with you know whether or not i was bipolar as a kid i'll never know but you know knowing now and being able to track back a lot of it makes sense now and so Counseling for me wasn't always the most successful thing. Obviously, there were times where it worked and it worked well. But because of that, I've always had a little bit more of a uh, a self-help mentality, go get it from the masses rather than the one type of idea. So I I read a lot of books. I go on YouTube and I, 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 I just basically try to take notes from everybody who's done it right and done it wrong. Nikki's very different on that, and you can explain. I mean, just being super blunt, I do go to therapy by myself and so that's just something do, that do you want him to go with you i mean is that something oh that, i mean we've i've definitely she's given asked. me the option i've welcomed him too and i guess that's what i mean is as a couple yeah, but as a couple he he's pretty closed off to counseling which i think that's okay i think every relationship is different and i have nothing against pre-marriage counseling but i don't know if that's necessarily for us at the moment and i think we have worked so hard in the five and a half years that we've been together i mean we got together like we were both young Mm -hmm. and just growing up and figuring out life we've made sure that we grow independently as well as together and i'll continue to go to therapy for my own things and brendan will continue to grow in his own way and then we just come together and we're open to what each other has learned but yeah i don't think pre-marriage counseling is something we will do we click at a point now that you know we've seen enough trial and error and trial by fire that we feel pretty comfortable with where we're at and i you know i think once it comes to that point i'm still pretty open to it if it gets there but we're at a point right now where we seem pretty dang content 
And I think another part of it is his parents are not together anymore, but my parents still are. Mm -hmm. So I think we have these like great examples of kind of what to do, what not to do. And not saying like my parents, you know, they bicker, they're married, but like they do set such a great example and we love looking up to them Mm -hmm. as well as like Brennan's sisters. They're both married, have amazing families. And we have such great role models to look up to. We do. And so I think we definitely watch those couples as well and take in what we like and maybe don't like from everything. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I can't tell you how many times we have been, because, you know, my husband and I, we do like just preventative therapy because Mm -hmm. we both have our own, you know, our, our own issues. I can't tell you guys how many times we have been at a couple session and the therapist goes, can you schedule a solo? (laughs) (laughs) You got more digging here. (laughs) That's happened almost every time for the last 20 years. I'm like, oh, great. Here we go. Well, now you guys work together too. So I'm sure there's plenty of stuff to drum up there. I know. Hold up. Here's one thing you need to know. Hi, this is Sarah Bybee Fisk, life coach with Microbe Formulas. And here's one thing you need to know about loving through the ups and downs. Whether it's mental illness or any one of a number of other negative circumstances that can come into our lives without our consent, I just want to remind you that the power, the only power we have is in the story that we tell about those events. Another coach I deeply admire, Bev Aaron, asked the question once, what is the most loving thing that you can do for yourself and for everyone involved? when I was describing a situation to her that seemed very hard. And I have really taken that question and made it the way I ask myself about the story that I want to tell. What is the most loving story that I can tell about my spouse with mental illness? What is the most loving story that I can tell about my partner with some kind of limiting capability that is just human? Friends, our power is always in the story. And when we tell that story from love, magic happens. Oh, oh, really? (laughs) Seems like everyone's got an opinion. This is Intentionally Disruptive with Shonda McNeil. She's your person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's there to keep my head on straight because without her, it'd be gone. <laughs> All right, so you guys are getting married this summer. We're going to take a look into a little bit into your future to see what kind of couple you are. I found oh, this yeah. quiz, this online quiz. It's pretty spot on. And by the way, we will post this up on all of our social media channels so you can play along with your partner as well, okay? So where did you two meet? I know that answer. Online. <laughs> or Bend, ben, Oregon. Bend, Oregon. Officially, we'll call it at Bend, well, here, Oregon. Here are your options. All Work, right. oh. school, a club or bar, through friends, online, or none of these. We'll go online. online. I mean, because it's Twitter, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was in your DMs. There you go. He did slide in the DMs. Slide in the DMs. Go down in the DMs. Nope. <laughs> okay. Pick a celebrity couple. Jason Ooh. Momoa and Lisa Bonet. Nah. Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds. Chrissy Teigen and John Legend. Ooh, that's a good one, too. No. Blake Lively. Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds. All yeah. right. By far. Which date night appeals to you most? A museum? Going out for drinks? A fancy meal out? Going to the theater? Cooking at home? Ordering pizza and watching a movie? Mm, yeah, definitely yeah. anything with a movie. That's So our, that's, ordering pizza, watching a movie. Yeah. Okay. 
this is gonna be hard because one of you gonna have to answer. How do you describe your partner? Talented, really hot, selfless, incredibly smart, kind, or funny? God, all of the above. I agree. <laughs> Emphasize the really hot. Um, oh my God. I don't know. I'll let you tackle that one since I can't pig. Um, I got to hear him again. Talented, funny, kind, really hot, selfless, incredibly smart. I'm going to say, ooh, I'm between talented and selfless. I mean, you're really hot, but I'm going to say... Too bad a brow lift doesn't happen to the mic. You can tell the difference. Like, you're like really hot. And when it works, emotional creatures. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, the, oh my God. The, the talent. Hey, you got to pump her up, you know? <laughs> um, I'm going to say you're selfless. I'll take that. That's good. Uh, which of these shows uh, are you most likely to watch together? Orange is the New Black, Stranger Things, Grace and Frankie, or Love mm-hmm. Sick? Hmm. Sure, I mean, Prison Break's of, not on there? <laughs> no. Out of all of those, I'd probably say Stranger Things. Probably, yeah. yeah. And one of you have to answer, what is your partner's most likely to get you as a gift? Books, jewelry, tickets to an event, a romantic weekend away, clothes, or they would make you something? Hmm. I'd say it's pretty collectively close. I mean... We get each other a handful of those things, but clothes, we seem to jive pretty well with. Okay. We like to outfit each other with some good stuff. You happy with that? <laughs> you happy with that answer? Yeah. All right. How do you imagine yourselves when you're old? Doting on your grandkids? Rich and glamorous? Wait, wait. Doting? Doting on your grandkids? <laughs> Please elaborate on what that means. Like, oh, my babies, oh, okay. my grandbabies. Okay, okay. Doting. Uh, rich and glamorous, living a quiet, simple life. Uh, lovingly insulting each other. <laughs> that and, one. Traveling. Yeah. Like, we don't need a rush. Jabs. That one. Jabs. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what are you most likely to argue over? Deciding where to eat? Climates. Forgetting an important date? Uh, someone hogging all the covers? Someone not listening? One of you being untidy or bringing up a previous argument? Definitely, Ooh. definitely the untidy Untidiness? one. Untidiness? Yeah. yeah. The cleanliness and creativity don't work well together. <laughs> so I, I hear that one but often. But not listening to. Well, that's, yeah. But we'll go with the untidy. That one happens the most, probably. And your results, you got the not conventionally romantic couple. Not conventionally romantic. We're unconventional. Mm-hmm. Isn't this what this is? Unconventional love. Yeah, unconventional love. Oh my gosh, we're perfect. Wow, nice pick. <laughs> well, I love you guys. I think you guys are like oh, relationship goals. And I appreciate you guys being on the show. Well, thank you so much. It's been fun. Well, hold up. Did you hear? On the next Intentionally Disruptive with Shauna McNeil. Coming up next week, two extraordinary women join the podcast to share their journey to each other. I'm not kidding. Get the tissues ready. It's Jamie and Janice in Love is Love. That's next week on Intentionally Disruptive. Ooh, that's a little taste of what's to come next week on Intentionally Disruptive. This podcast is all about everyday people sharing their story, their triumphs, because, I mean, we're all broken. Every single one of us are broken and a constant work in progress. And this is all about people helping people. And you've helped me today. Intentionally Disruptive is presented by Microbe Formulas. Visit us at microbeformulas.com.